Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the On Iowa podcast. I'm Leah Van. I'm your Iowa football beat writer for the Gazette. And today I am joined by John Steffi, who is our business reporter slash sports enterprise reporter here at the Gazette. And he just wrote the article, Iowa prepares for NIL era of collegiate athletics, which is why I'm having him on today. So please welcome, John. How are you doing today? I am good. I am excited to talk about name, image, and likeness, which I don't know how many people can honestly say that, but I'm excited for it. You know, it's a really hot topic, especially amongst Iowan fans, but like really, um, it's a huge topic in on the national scale. And um, it really is. I think that localizing it also is very helpful for our readers to know where it stands. Um, but first, we got to let's let's get the people like a chance to get to know you. You're from Wisconsin, right. big Marquette yep. fan, Marquette grad. So, yep. Um, I forgot to move the Marquette scarf into my Zoom background here. So you're going to have to take, well, the picture. Now, if somebody's listening, not on video, you're missing out on this. One of the pictures in my background right there is of Marquette's campus. So there's a little bit of Marquette here with me in the Zoom call. Yes. And I, I know that you were discussing this with me about your takes on like custard up there and how it's oh, yes. personal. Can you please elaborate? Yeah. So everyone in the Milwaukee area, well, I should say in Wisconsin, I grew up in the Milwaukee area and like in the Milwaukee area, there are a handful of local custard stands and we're not talking Culver's. I mean, that's, I mean, Culver's is good, but this is like local, like really, I guess you'd say authentic custard and everyone grows up with a different favorite. So there will be some people that are like big Cops fans. There are some people who are big Gillies fans. There are some people who are big Leon's fans. And you probably can't distinguish between which one is actually better, but everyone has their own favorite. So I'm a Gillies person. Um, that's also where former commissioner, well, I think his title is now Commissioner Emeritus, Bud Sela would go very frequently. So I mean, picture a young, very young John Steppy. I mean, being there to get my custard and then seeing the commissioner of baseball is, I mean, a very Milwaukee experience there. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, what's interesting is um, I, I've never been to Milwaukee, but um, I truly didn't know where Marquette was or that Marquette was in Milwaukee <laughs> until very, very recently. And John is a huge bas college basketball fan. So of course, like, the moment Shaka Smart, Texas's former head basketball coach, heads to Marquette, I get an email from John Steppy. And so it did not take long. It, it was what, maybe long. an hour, if that. <laughs> um, so I want to know do you really think Shaka is going to bring your program back to national prominence? Well, based on the amount of money that Marquette puts into basketball, that's always a good sign. I mean, they are a top 10 budget, I believe, in terms of men's basketball. I think Shaka's had more success at schools that really prioritize basketball. Um, I mean, that was the case at VCU with the Final Four. Obviously, he didn't have as much success for your alma mater. But, um, I mean, everything that I've heard 
has have been exciting for Marquette fans. It's been a long time of kind of mediocrity. I mean, there were some exciting moments in the Steve Wojciechowski era, but it didn't really turn into postseason results. I mean, I think my junior year, they got up to either like number eight or number nine in the country. And I was thinking, I mean, for the student media outlet, oh, wow, we're going to have to save our travel budget for a couple weekends of March travel. And then the end of some of those years kind of didn't go so well. So, yeah, I think it's an exciting hire. Um, I kind of laughed yesterday when I was listening to him on John Rothstein's podcast and hearing John slam Texas's environment. And Chaka didn't quite disagree. So maybe playing in a NBA arena with Pfizer Forum will be a, um, a welcome addition as well for Chaka. I will say I went to a couple of Texas basketball games and uh, back in my undergraduate career, um, I did not get into the one against Kansas. I actually waited outside for two hours to not get in. Um, wow, that is a that yeah. is an experience there to wait yeah, that long. A lot long. of people camped out, but it was like the only game that really sells out at Texas. And also with the Frank Irwin Center being so massive, it's really hard to create like a loud atmosphere. Obviously, if you have a smaller gym with a lot more packed people, like it's going to be loud. Yeah. So, yeah. That being said, Texas is more of a football school. Yes, we have struggled but we identify as a football school. Men's swimming and diving and women's volleyball is how we should identify. Anyway. Well, my alma mater is undefeated since 1960. So let me just say that. (laughs) In football, that is. (laughs) Meaning they don't have a program. (laughs) Correct. Since I think it was 1960. So I'll just remind you of that after every Texas loss. Undefeated right. since 1960. Always good to always good to get those little Texas jabs. I'm willing to take them all, and I know someday, as my loyal fandom will pay off. You know, <laughs> speaking of paying, though, yeah, good segue into name, image, and likeness. Am I? Yes, right? that is. <laughs> that is. What I did there? <laughs> yes, I did see what you did there. So the punniness of me is very appreciative of that. Yeah, I figured being a Wisconsin Midwesterner. Um, yeah, so my first thing is I really want you to start from square one for our listeners because, you know, it's always easy to break things down to simplified terms before getting into the nitty gritty. So yeah, please let me, so let's like, can you elaborate on what name, image, and likeness is and what changes it would bring to the collegiate athlete landscape. So the really, because I think people hear the name, image, and likeness term, and even just, I mean, it's a really clunky term. I mean, it's really long. Good luck saying that three times fast. So oftentimes I think it helps if you kind of think of it as being able to profit off your personal brand. So I mean, it could mean a lot of different things for a lot of different athletes. So it could be as simple as, so I'll use myself as an example. So let's say I am a star baseball player at Iowa, which for anyone listening that 
he's familiar with, I mean, my one varsity at bat at New Berlin Eisenhower in Wisconsin. It's a pretty <laughs> amusing thought there to think of me as a D1 Big Ten baseball player. But let's just suspend reality here and make that assumption. So let's say, I mean, this fan that I see as I'm, I mean, even at the mall, or if I set something up, really wants my autograph. As things stand right now, I wouldn't be able to charge them any money for my very, I mean, collectible, rare John Steppe signature. <laughs> so now that opens the door where you can, I mean, possibly do that. You could, I mean, have sponsored Instagram posts. I think that could be something that we see a lot of where, I mean, maybe you have, I mean, star baseball athlete, John Steppe, main taking a, or having this Instagram post with my favorite main wedge pizza and main having an ad there. Um, maybe it's a picture of me wearing, I don't know, a t-shirt from Iowa book and that kind of endorsement there. So it could mean a lot of different things for a lot of athletes. There are probably some new creative ideas that will pop up that none of us have heard of right now. And that's kind of the really exciting part of this too, is, I mean, nobody really knows what exactly everything is going to look like. And I mean, one of the people I was talking to said, yeah, the NIL that we're seeing now is going to be different than the NIL that we're going to be seeing in Maine a couple of years from now. So it's something that's evolving, but those are probably a few of the bigger things. Um, I think it's also important to note what, I mean, this currently is not talking about. So this isn't, I mean, the University of Iowa writing a check to Maine star baseball player, John Steppe, where Maine save for football. I mean, Kirk Ferentz can't negotiate a NIL deal for one of his players. Um, so it's, I mean, so, I mean, there's what NIL is, and then there also is what it's not yet, at least going to be. Now things could always change. I mean, there's still some uncertainty about what exactly the NIL rules will say. I mean, some of those technical details aren't quite clear. I mean, Gary Barta said about how they have a lot of this planning done, but they are still waiting to see what this finished result is going to be. And we'll get to know that pretty soon. Yeah. So what is the status of name, image, and likeness on the national scale as far as legislation goes? So you kind of almost need like a big map to be able to exactly diagram what's happening because different states are in different points. So right now it's about 16 states that have passed NIL legislation that basically if the NCAA were to not do anything, I mean, the states are really going to force their hands there. So now among those, it's about five that have NIL laws going into effect July 1st. Right. I believe Louisiana is also considering one that could go into effect if passed pretty close to July 1st. So that could maybe be the sixth. So you have some of those state laws. And then in other states like Iowa, there just hasn't been much progress with NIL legislation. 
So you have different states in different positions. Now, at the same time, you have the Alston versus NCAA Supreme Court case, which makes this a little more difficult for the NCAA, because if they all of a sudden pass a nationwide NIL rule, well, potentially, I mean, one thing that's been pointed out in national reports is, well, maybe this hurts the NCAA's ability to argue at the Supreme Court for their amateurism. So it gets a little complicated there. I mean, what exactly are they going to do is a really good question there. They are lobbying Congress pretty heavily. It sounds like there is bipartisan interest in passing an NIL law. I mean, I don't think many senators want to be the ones to save their constituents. Oh, yeah, the fact that, I mean, we can't recruit the next Luca Garza. Yeah, sorry, that's my fault. So remember that next election season, which is also at the same time as college football season. So there's bipartisan support around this idea of NIL legislation. What exactly is being included in that isn't totally clear. Whether that actually happens before July 1st is a good question. I mean, one senator, I believe is from Kansas, said that, I mean, it's getting difficult here to get July 1st because, I mean, for you and I and everyone listening, thinking, wow, July 1st sounds like a really, I mean, long ways away. I don't know what I'm going to have for breakfast tomorrow morning, let alone anything about July 1st. But in terms of that congressional action, the point that that one senator was making is things take a little bit slower and that doesn't happen as fast as necessarily just mean me saying, okay, mean I'm going to Starbucks for breakfast tomorrow morning. Right. And I want to pause here because the Alston case is actually why the NCAA has not ruled on this earlier. Remember, the NCAA was supposed to set in back in October, we're going to make a decision on name, image, and likeness in January, or I think it was February. And then they got a letter from the Department of Antitrust and I don't know, no one knows what that letter said, but that's what the NCAA said. That's when the NCAA said, hey, we're going to delay our vote until further notice. And now it's like, okay, well, they're probably going to delay it until June, July. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, but the Alston case is not directly about NIL, but it is about the concept of amateurism, which does kind of impact NIL. And I think some people get a little bit confused with that mm-hmm. distinction. And I yeah. think that NIL is also in, there's also legislation that is separate from the Alston case on the national scale in the Senate. And then there's these state legislations across the country. And so there's- So you really do need a scorecard Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a great point about differentiating how the Alston case is not just NIL where it affects NIL and it affects other things. So it's kind of that broader thing there that I mean, would have quite an impact on NIL, but there's that completely separate process. I mean, this is kind of going back to the I main, I'm just a Bill Schoolhouse Rock video that I think everyone has seen at some point. Yeah. You have the legislative process here that's at work. But then the Supreme Court, I don't think that 
video went over the Supreme Court at all, if I'm remembering fifth grade correctly. So, um, but the Supreme Court is totally different wing of government here. That's a different process. So you have all of these different things are kind of coming in for a landing at similar times. And it's going to be really fascinating to see what exactly happens here. I don't know if you watched the oral arguments of the Alston case. Uh, I did or, not, or but I was following along on Twitter and it was yeah, surprising. That was it was surprising how many justices were challenging the idea of the NCAA being amateur. Like, uh, which if you're the NCAA right now, I imagine you're probably really at the edge of your seat waiting for that Alston decision because that usually doesn't bode well. Now, at the same time, I mean, trying to predict the Supreme Court rulings is, I mean, you have a better odds. I mean, there's a better chance of me actually being the next third baseman at the University of Iowa than somebody consistently predicting Supreme Court cases to go whichever way. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And it's also... It's also interesting because NIL across the nation has kind of had this bipartisan support. Um, yeah, even in it hasn't Iowa's necessarily been yeah. yeah a Republican versus Democrat issue. It's been certain people from both sides of the aisle against certain people from both sides of the aisle, which is interesting. So I want to move on to the NIL legislation in Iowa. Obviously, it was brought to the Iowa legislature twice, once last year, once this year did not pan out both times. What have you heard on why it didn't seem to work out or pass here in Iowa? Well, I mean, it's hard for me to get into the specific reasons that maybe some legislatures chose not to support it. But with the way that the Iowa legislature works is you have these funnel deadlines where if a bill hasn't reached a certain threshold, at that point, it's dead. And... I mean, there was bipartisan support from certain legislatures on each side, but I mean, it just didn't pick up the support. I mean, Jordan Bohannon made a pretty outspoken effort to try to support it. Other athletes have also spoken in support of that NIL legislation. I mean, Jordan Bohannon even at one point said that whether he returns to Iowa goes down to the feet of this NIL law. And that didn't really seem to budge anything. So he's coming back anyways. But right, he's coming back anyway. But yeah, so that <laughs> tactic really didn't work in the long run. But I mean, yeah, it's, and looking at the time of year, I mean, the legislature usually is out by now. So right now it seems like they're trying to just get through the budget. So it's hard to see anything being reintroduced and kind of gaining the momentum that would really be necessary to pass something. So it's, yeah, Iowa has not been one of those states. I mean, right now it's Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, New Mexico. I don't really see Iowa adding its name to the list in the near future based on what we're seeing. But at the same time, if it becomes June 20th and all of a sudden I mean, we're realizing, wait a second, there's I mean, no federal action. What's going to happen? I mean, some experts say all of a sudden legislatures 
might start to change their mind on that. Yeah. And you're so anyway, regardless of Iowa having its own legislation, the University of Iowa needs to prepare for NIL to become national law or, you know, NCL yeah. passed by the NCAA because it does seem like that decision is on the horizon. So your article really touches on that angle. What is the University of Iowa doing to prepare for the NCAA changes on NIL? And what did you find? And why was it important for Iowa to find a partner like Influencer um, or Open Doors or whatever, mm -hmm. like still kind of to be determined, but why are those kind of companies important to help prepare this university for NIL? That's a great question. And the first part of that, really about what I was doing kind of comes into almost two buckets, I guess would be kind of the best way of explaining it. So you have one bucket is things that the university expects to do internally. So there are some things where maybe you don't need an outside partner is kind of the thought process for Gary Barta is, hey, maybe we can do some of this compliance and some of this education work. I mean, within our own department, I mean, within the Tippy College of Business, I mean, you could have potentially, now he didn't say this, but what I've been hearing, I mean, one company said that they really recommend having a three credit class for explaining this for athletes. So that's something that theoretically speaking, I mean, the University of Iowa could do without really hiring one of these outside companies is kind of the thought process for the university. But then there are other things where, I mean, they realize that it would be helpful to have an outside company to educate or to kind of fill in the gaps, I should say, would be kind of the best way to explain that. So, I mean, these universities have been operating a certain way in athletic departments for a while. This is a new set of things, and there's a lot of technology out there to make this process a lot easier. Now, Influencer has a little bit of a foot in the door because they've already been working with the university on not NIL stuff, but in terms of sharing photos. So let's say I'm going to go back to that same baseball example that our listeners are probably tired of hearing at this point. But let's say I had, I mean, I went three for three. Um, I mean, if I had one more at bat, I would have hit for the cycle, but then I got hurt or something midway through. Let's say there's a great picture of that one of the team photographers took of me about to hit the home run. We'll say I didn't get the single. We'll say it's a really good three for three here. So, I mean, Influencer has made it easier for me, John Steppy, star third baseman, to get that photo through this content sharing system. So, and that plays into NIL quite nicely because if there's an e-post that could be using I mean, University of Iowa photos, well, that's a pretty good distribution system there. So Influencer does have kind of a foot in there. Now, why is this important is, I mean, the people who are working for these companies have really pointed out how this is really a behemoth of a thing, where one company, Affluence, that really focuses more so on the education and compliance aspect of this they say that compliance by itself is 
a I mean big enough thing right there that I mean you have just that could be its own company and that's how athliance has been selling to pretty big athletic departments like the University of Arizona for example and I think it's four others I believe so you have I mean that alone is a really big thing and you don't really want to risk getting this wrong. There's a lot of recruiting implications to this, of course. I mean, if you can make money or if you have a better structure to make money, if you go to Iowa than if you go to Nebraska, let's say, well, people all of a sudden are going to think, wow, I can play. I mean, I'll change up the example here. Let's say softball. I can play division one softball here, or I could play division one softball there going up against big 10 competition, either main situation, but Hey, at this one school, I could really learn a lot about profiting off my own brand. Well, I mean, money is quite the incentive for people. So, I mean, there are a few certainties with this, but usually money does seem to be a pretty popular incentive among people. So you have that aspect of it and you have the, well, you don't want to get this wrong from a NCAA violation standpoint. And if you at least have this outside company who's helping you on this, you could say if you're under investigation, well, hey, look, we made this genuine effort to follow the rules here. We hired this outside company that's been trusted by like Open Doors, for example, trusted by, I mean, the PGA Tour, the um, NHL, a whole bunch of other organizations, I mean, pros that you can say, well, we trusted Open Doors like all these other programs have. And I mean, we made a really strong effort here to not make this mistake. And maybe then that helps you out a little bit in terms of possible violations. Yeah. And some of the, I think the way I see these companies is like you're outsourcing kind of the nitty gritty dirty work. Right. And it's not, mm-hmm. not like dirty work, but work, work that's like extra that maybe you don't have time for within your own administration or like yeah. really giving it to experts that actually are only dealing with this side of compliance and with this side of marketing for athletes. And so I think it's really interesting that um, there are so many companies that are popping up that are actually specifically designed to do this kind of work. Um, I, what I also found kind of interesting about your article um, is one of the people from these companies said, the most marketable athletes aren't necessarily going to be your star players. They could yeah. be the people who are most attractive or maybe just really savvy on social media. Can you maybe elaborate a little bit more on that point and also what that might mean for women's athletics? It's fascinating because traditionally, I mean, people think of the main football, the two basketball programs and wrestling as the revenue sports where you're likely to make more money. But that doesn't necessarily line up with what, I mean, this sports business professor is saying, and it could be, I mean, the example he used is, let's say at the University of Oregon, where he teaches, 
the I mean best softball player has a great following on social media. Let's say I mean has a million followers on TikTok is very she does attractive. TikTok dances and she's pretty good at them. Yeah. Yes, let's say that. So I mean really good at those TikTok dances. Got that TikTok game on point. Well, I mean there's me a lot of value there in having a I mean, it could be as simple as something like a local, I mean, small business. I mean, the equivalent of the wedge in Eugene, Oregon, it could be. Or it could be a big company, too. That there's a lot of value in having your logo in the corner of it, mentioned in the description, you name it, where maybe if you're a really good offensive tackle, that maybe you don't quite have that value. Nothing against offensive tackles here listening. So I don't want any of them knocking on my door. All the offensive tackles in Iowa are going to be really (laughs) mad at you and they're going to all of a sudden bounce back with these massive Instagram followings. (laughs) Yes. So, I mean, I will be proven wrong there. But, I mean, now the other thing is you could have maybe the backup offensive lineman who doesn't have much visibility on – main the field just because okay you have to be a pretty good fan to know who the offense the backup offensive tackle is going to be on a team so let's say you have that person who isn't getting a ton of on-field time maybe doesn't have the highest chances of getting drafted but they're really funny on social media So, I mean, me with my Wisconsin background, um, I'll bring up, I mean, in the pros, say you have an example for the Packers, like David Bakhtiari, who of course is a very good offensive lineman. He also really is funny on Twitter. So you have that. Well, maybe there's more value for the David Bakhtiari of a Big Ten school than there is for, I mean, I'm going to use the Packers as an example. Let's say Jordan Love is the starting quarterback. Well, maybe there might not be as much value for him, even though traditionally you would think quarterbacks have a lot of the value there. So it kind of creates a little bit of a different scale where, okay, how good is your social media following? I mean, how attractive are you? I mean, those things that traditionally have not been really determining factors in somebody's collegiate athletics experience now start to enter the equation. Yeah. And I, I actually did a paper on professional women athletes um, in grad school and how they are really trained to market themselves because it's all on them since the, you know, traditionally they aren't the most widely broadcasted sports and And probably not huge salaries either. Yeah. And I noticed during the pandemic, they were all on social media. A good example is Christy on professional woman tennis player. She's not a Serena Williams. She's Mm -hmm. not a uh, Naomi Osaka, but she was really good at TikTok and giving us this inside, like look into what life as a tennis, a professional tennis player is like she's going to be that kind of person who is able to make a lot of money just because she has this great personality that she has put on display and that she has marketed for herself. 
And I think name, image, and likeness is a really cool opportunity. And I spoke with Sasha, Sasha Schmidt, Schmidt yesterday, the women's tennis coach at Iowa, for more visibility for women's sports. And because, you know, you look at Caitlin Clark, who really blew up this year. And yeah. I think like there was an estimation of like what her net worth would be if she had been allowed to profit off of her name, image, and likeness this year alongside Paige Beckers. And it was in the millions of dollars. And, and I'm so, glad you brought that up because women's basketball seems to be that kind of next sport that's really getting a lot of attention, especially on social media. That I mean, you could really start to see a bigger value for some of those women's basketball athletes. I mean, the next couple of years than maybe you would have seen five years ago. Right. So what is, if at all, we got this as a Twitter question. Um, mm -hmm. What is the trickle down effect on high school athletes and parents, if at all? Yeah, that's a fascinating question there. When I saw that, it's like, oh, this will be fun to discuss here. So I think that one of the big things could come under that social media experience there. And Maybe there's a little more pressure for, I mean, somebody who's in high school and grand, there's already enough pressure on high school recruits trying to get a D1 scholarship, but maybe there's a little bit of pressure on them to maybe kind of build up their social media game a little bit, or maybe, I mean, you see parents, I mean, having these athletes go through personal branding training. I mean, you could have a lot of different possibilities here that could happen in terms of preparing for this real money-making opportunity once they step foot on whichever campus that they step foot on. So I think that could be one thing. Um, I think there's also some space in terms of there would be probably some creative ideas that you and I have never really thought of that are going to emerge as people being kind of get acclimated to the main NIL era, really, that maybe you see some new, really creative ideas that emerge that really could affect high school athletics. Because I think, I mean, it's kind of like how you see a lot of other things where a lot of the trends for college kind of can trickle down into high school. Yeah, absolutely. So I do want to leave this off on a fun note. And um, I, I know that we both want to, we want something back in our lives. And that is the <laughs> NCAA video games. I have personally not played video games since. Um, <laughs> do we think these are going to come back? I think there was some, some, some news on that front a while back. But yeah, are the yeah. NCAA video games coming back? So, I mean, 15-year-old Seppi here, my ears kind of perk up at the thought of this year. I, I loved NCAA football 12. So that was, that was my jam back then. So I mean, EA sports said, I think it was a couple months ago that they're going to um, bring back the video game. Now the big question is going to be, are you going to have the main name image and likeness of the athletes in the video game? Now, of course, I mean, it was the very kind of thinly disguised, I mean, no-named athletes that you could really tell, huh, I wonder, number two looks the same as the person in real life in the video game. Oh, I wonder who this is representing. <laughs> so NIL is going to determine whether 
you can have that person's name main whether main if there was a NCAA football game this past year, whether it would just be Trevor Lawrence's number and main still the long hair. Well, in the past, you'd have the number, the really long hair, everything except the name. Now, NIL will determine whether you can actually have Lawrence on the back of the jersey or if it's going to be a random quarterback that looks nothing or is just not even just looks attributes wise is nothing like actually Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. So, I mean, I personally think that we, uh, Trevor Lawrence on, on the video game, you got to include the hair, you got to, <laughs> you know, and I also, I'm still curious, you know, him being an NFL star, are we thinking head and shoulders like everyone else, <laughs> like Troy Polamalu and all those other guys. And, uh, is it Patrick Mahomes too? Or are we going to make that transition to Pantene hair? I That's mean, a great question right he's there. He's got a Pantene flow. He's got the <laughs> blonde, long, shiny hair. So I, you know, I'm dying to know what his shampoo endorsement is going to be. <laughs> I'm calling it. He's going Pantene. <laughs> okay. I, I'll go contrarian here and guess that's going to be the consistent head and shoulders tradition continuing. Now, of course, I am not a hair expert considering how short my hair is. So <laughs> maybe you have a little bit of a leg up here on this expertise here. But... Hot takes. You heard it here first. The On Iowa podcast, Trevor Lawrence <laughs> going to Pantene hair. <laughs> Bring out the breaking news banner here on our website. Watch him go like Garnier Fructis or something or like, you know. You never um, know. Herbal essences. That would be a trip. So we'll see. I mean, I guess you're just going to have to camp out in Jacksonville and see, I mean, what he's bringing into the stadium there and see if there's any hints there. Yeah. Well, John, it was super fun having you on the On Isla podcast. You'll have to, you'll of course be invited back on again. And thank you. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And also for people who don't know, uh, John and I have been, adventuring around the Iowa City cuisine scene. So, uh, you know, we already reviewed the apple fritter at Hertz Donuts. Uh, we're gonna, our upcoming review will be on La Regia, which is the Mexican restaurant. And then we're gonna make a trip to another restaurant to be determined this week. So if you subscribe to the Hawkeye newsletter at the Gazette's website, you can check out that fun content every week. It's something to bring a smile to your face and, you know, hopefully is a lighthearted thing to fill space while we wait for football season quite honestly um you will not want to miss my review of the chips and queso so if that's not a reason to subscribe i do not know what is is it coming in hot though john is it oh that's a good pun there yeah 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 we'll see it might be a little more mild we'll see so it's not like super hot so (laughs) well um, you can also check out John Steffi's work online at thegazette.com as well as my work at thegazette.com with hot on the sports section. So I appreciate you joining us today and we'll see y'all next time. <laughs>